Hey, I'm Dr. Laura Berman, a sex and relationship therapist. And for the past three decades, I've been helping people learn how to love and be loved better. That's what we're doing here on The Language of Love, where I get to answer calls and emails from people just like you. My goal with The Language of Love is to help you discover more meaningful, emotional, and physical intimacy, and to help you build more awareness of how precious and sacred your sexuality really is. Be sure to email me or reach out with your very own love, sex, relationship questions, and I might just answer them live on the air. It's time we all become fluent in the language of love. So if you enjoy music, you probably know who Joss Stone is. She started her musical career at 14 years old, is one of the most talented musicians and most soulful voices of our time. Her fans know this, but not everyone knows that she also has a podcast called A Cup of Happy. And she is an amazing human being. I got to know her several years ago and we've remained friends and I've been a witness to her journey over the past several years. And I wanted to spend some time catching up with her. She has so much wisdom to share. She has so many inspiring creative talents. And we're going to talk music, relationships, how to stay happy in a crazy world, and also about some of the heartbreak that she's experienced more recently with the loss of a baby and the rainbow after the storm with the new baby about to arrive. This is a great conversation. I'm so excited to share it with you. I'm so excited to talk to you, Joss Stone. Thank you so much for coming on the show and spending some time with us. Anytime. It's a delight. So I met you when, I guess, when I did your podcast several years ago, A Cup of Happy, which is such a cute name and so perfect to describe you because like you're a cup of happy. And I fell in love with you. I mean, obviously your music has always inspired me and I've always been a fan, but just like you're such a love in person. And, you know, not a lot of, I wouldn't say not a lot of, not all talented people are. (laughs) We have our moments, don't we? We kind of go through ebbs and flows. But um, yeah, no, I think I found a good little spot. The funny thing is, is the podcast is a cup of happy. And so people are under the impression, well, she must be happy all the time. But actually, it's like investigative. It's like, oh, how can I do this? How can I be happy most of the time? Can't do it all the time. But it's quite interesting talking to people. It's I fun. bet. And let's talk about that for a minute, because I think that's something that we all struggle with. And I remember years ago, it was all over the, you know, social, I don't even know there was social media, all over the media, how Brad Pitt said, I don't think anyone can ever really be happy or that happiness oh. is overrated or whatever. And it started this whole discussion. Is it unrealistic? Because you said you want to be happier, right? And that part of the seeking that cup of happy is to find all and discover all kinds of things you can put in that cup to get happy, right? Or to stay happy. Mm-hmm. So how's that worked in your life? Has it been a struggle to be happy? How have you created happiness in your life? I know we're going to talk about some of the new developments in your personal life, but mm-hmm. yeah. just in general. Yeah, I think that there's been moments. So there was moments when I was younger where I didn't realize that actually happiness was kind of the goal. I thought it was, I just want to have fun. So I kind of made up this, I can be logical. Yes, I'm creative, but I can be a very logical person in how I like systemic, right? Yeah, like how I plan my life and how I approach it. So if I'm feeling like something's not going right or I'm not achieving this or that or feeling a certain way, I'll come up with little plans Mm. to try and fix it. And one of the things I had was a fun scale from (laughs) zero to 10. I was like, if it's not fun, and this is probably, I would say three or four years after I'd been signed. So I had a job when I was like, 14 signed to a big major record label. I thought this would be great fun. Yeah. And it wasn't very fun. It was very stressful and really Ah. horrid. And I thought, no, this is not fun. So I made this scale and I decided I I was only going to entertain things that were over a five. Okay. Then over the years, I've realized it's really more about what makes you feel happy and at peace. It's yeah. not about fun because you can have fun staying up till four or five o'clock in the morning, getting pissed with your friends, chatting away, dancing till the sun comes up. Yeah, you can do that. But you'll be so tired if you have a, <laughs> a 10 on the fun every day. You'll be exhausted. So I thought, let's go for happy and peace. So that's my little way of checking myself. 
So do you have a scale now for happy, peaceful? Oh yeah, I do. It's Uh, zero to 10 and anything that's over five gets considered. If it's over seven, I'm doing it. And how do you know, because this is something I talk about a lot, what I call it is the full body yes. Like if I don't have a full body yes, I don't say yes to it. And if I do, I almost always, even if it doesn't really make sense in the moment, right? It's so hard because there's always a little niggling kind of, yeah. maybe though you're wrong. Yes. But, you kind of, but you, this could be great. You know, so yes. you this, this massive optimism that's like so, overwhelming and you could be wrong. Yeah. Don't worry. There'll be another day. Yeah. There'll be another day, but make what a mistake you, then. <laughs> how do you gauge it? Like, how do you, when you're kind of looking at a new opportunity or situation that you're considering and you want to mm. think about where it is on the peaceful side, Mm. right? Mm. What's your process? Do you just think about it and say, okay, when I try this on, I feel this way. What do you do? Well, some things you can try on and some things you can't. You have to commit to them before you can even begin. If it's a big project, you can't be like, well, I'll try it because there's usually a lot of people involved. Yeah. When I say try it, I mean, like, imagine yourself doing it. Yes, exactly. Think about it. You can't try it out. So I look at it like a game of chess. You're supposed to think 20 steps ahead in the game of chess. Yeah. Can I'm you do that? I no. suck at that. <laughs> I can do four. I can do a good four okay, steps. Okay. Okay. That's good. And then I get tired. And my brain starts to falter. Yeah. I do think, right. So if I move here, this will happen there. And then mm-hmm. if that happens, then that happens. But mm-hmm. then what about the other option? So if you can think two or three steps ahead and think about the different characters that you're going to deal with in that scenario and maybe what they might do. You have to empathize with other people and how they're going to feel. Yeah. So if you're, yeah. If you're dealing with something creative, I know that if I call Steve Greenwell, my engineer, I've known him since I'm 14. I know how he's going to feel about certain ways of recording. And so then that's like, going to affect your happy peace. Totally. Because totally. if he's not at peace, then I'm not. Then you're not at peace. So part of what, what will determine the peace is how your team yeah, is going to react to something. That definitely affects your peace. That's huge for me. Yeah. Everyone around, if they're okay, I'm okay. Really? What about you? Is it all? how I'm okay. (laughs) So if they're not okay, I'm like, I'm just not. And I think it would be really great if I could just be okay and not worry about everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so good, wouldn't it? That would be a worthy goal because otherwise, (laughs) I I mean, I guess it depends on who you surround yourself with, right? Yeah. Like if the people in your orbit are healthy, emotionally healthy, rational, normal people, then I think it is a fair litmus. Look, these are my partners. These are my people. This is my support team. These are my co-creators. We all have to be in alignment. And if they're not at peace, I'm not at peace. But that's very different than when, like, let's say there was something you were dying to do or so excited to do. And because of some idiosyncrasy or weird thing or shadow that the other person wasn't dealing with or wasn't facing, they weren't going to get go, be at peace. Mm. And then you're making those decisions from that place. Yeah. Then you're staying stuck. And yeah, I think I've, there's a big difference. A lot of years doing that. And that is the wrong yeah. thing to do. So yeah, yeah, I suppose you have to decide like, in what way do you need these people to feel happy? In what way do they need to be at peace? So then you are. So if I'm creating something that is upsetting someone, I'll have to change whatever's going on. But if it's them upsetting themselves, I really can't do anything about that apart from be there to listen. I love that. That's a really smart way to distinguish it, right? If they're upsetting themselves, if I'm upsetting them or doing something inconsiderate accidentally, not that it would ever be intentional or inappropriate. Yeah. That's one thing. But if they're Mm -hmm. just making themselves in a knot over there, can you be at peace if they do? Right. Or do you just not hang out with people that do that? No, I think about them a lot. And this is mostly why I started the podcast is because I'm like, there has to be answers that I can help my friends with, you know, and my family with, you know, because we've all got our issues and we'll go to our most trusted person and tell that person about our issues. And we'll say, God, this is happening. That's happening. And I don't know what to do. And often when I'm sat in that seat, I really would love for the other person to go, how about try this? Mm-hmm. I like that type of conversation. You like practical like advice. Practical, yeah. It's like yeah. I can move forward with that. Yeah. I'll give it a go, you know, and often it works because the person is from outside of the inner circle. So they're not biased, but with some people, they're just in it. Yeah. 
And it so bothers me because I sit there thinking about it for weeks. You do? What can I suggest? But And so partly, you know, the podcast for me has been great because I've been talking to loads of different people with loads of different ideas. Yeah. So you have, you're getting a whole, a, a whole medicine cabinet full of ideas. Yeah. yeah. And, and the beauty is, and I think this is true for most really wonderful creatives, part of, I think, what allows one to be as creative as you are and to, I think when you're a creative at the level you are, you're almost channeling your songs, your music. You're like, you're not that it, yeah. there aren't practical things, but it is sort yeah, of yeah. a very, intuitive process. And so that's like the the light, beautiful side of that gift. The shadow side of that gift is that you feel things really much. Big time. <laughs> Big time. Word, but you feel yes. things a lot. And so where someone else might be able to look over at someone and be like, okay, you're keeping yourself stuck over there. You're in yeah. your own head, like, I care about you. I'll hold space for you. But like, my boundary is that I'm not responsible for your happiness. Someone who is an empath, which is what we're talking about, right? Who feels the feelings that other people are feeling. It's tiring. Yeah. Especially if you can't hold some sort of filter or boundary. Like you said, you take on that person's discontent, oh. pain, fear, whatever it is. And then like, struggle with it yourself for weeks because you can't fix it. (laughs) Totally. It's very tiring. Even as as far as like, I don't know, watching a movie, certain movies I just can't do. My partner, he has had to learn that about me. He's like, (laughs) why can't you just sit here and watch? It's like my husband said, you know, this is fiction, right? Yeah. No, it doesn't matter. Yes, exactly. Somebody thought this, first of all. So that's not fiction. No. That came into someone's mind. They wrote oh, it. Out. And it's then true. probably somewhere in the world, it has happened to someone. And I'm just, I just can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Aww. It's too much. Yeah. So, well, that's know, a big burden. Right? What do you do or how do you? I know you're, you say the cup of happy is a way that you kind of get resources and information and guidance that helps you. What do you do with all of that energy you're holding? Writing songs does help. Being creative definitely helps. If I can't sleep and there's something on my mind, I will bake. I like baking. Mm. Oh, yeah. You have your little cooking with Joss on Instagram. I love watching that. Yeah. That is funny. I have so much fun doing it. And I realized when the pandemic happened, I had no gigs to play. All right. I'll do some cooking and um, say hi to the fans that way because I can't. You can't go be with them. I can't go and play for them. So yeah. And I realized how much fun they had. They mostly were laughing at me because I don't really know what I'm doing in the kitchen. But we all kind of did it together. It was great. I had and fun watching those. That was a oh, good thing. Yeah, I think I commented on some of them. It was oh, really it was nice. I don't know if you've had Anita Morjani on your show, but okay. she's a friend of mine and I love her work. She's mm-hmm. been on this show, but she has her newest book is called Sensitive is the New Strong. And oh, it's yeah. about empaths and how to manage that. So that would be a good resource for you because you don't want to erase your empathy. It's a beautiful thing, but to kind of where your empathy versus having your empathy, where are you? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Creates a a much more peaceful life. You have to find the balance. Otherwise it can completely overtake you and then you feel totally overwhelmed and you can feel very useless. Yes. And very, and and, and get stuck in someone else's pain. And there's nothing you can do. You have to just let it go. But I can't not think about it. Cody would be like, why? Stop. You know, because of course I talked to him about everything. Yeah. So he hears all of my, well, what about this and this and this worry and that worry? He's like, that's none of your thing. Don't worry about it. Like, no, but that's my best friend. Yeah. And she said X and Y and Z. And it can be very frustrating to somebody that doesn't feel that way. Yeah. My husband's sensitive, but not an empath. And he doesn't always understand why I am so affected by the pain of the world, much less the pain of the people close to me. So it is a process. It's a process for you and also kind of figuring out that bridge. Because there's a lot of ways in which I do talk to him about everything, but I don't necessarily talk to him as much as I might about ruminating on something that I just keep going around in circles around because I know at a certain point he's going to be like, why are you still talking about this? This is literally nothing to do with you. I know, but you need that skill to do what you do. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's funny. And to do what you do. Yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because what we're doing is just, I believe, and I learned this when all the gigs disappeared. Mm. I believe that the job is to help people just feel good, basically. That's the job, right? So if you can, then you do. And it might be making someone a cake Mm -hmm. or it might be writing them a song. Right. Or it might be talking through their problems with them. Yeah. But if that's the purpose, if that's why we're on this planet, then great, I'm in. And everyone's here for different reasons. But I think, yeah, you and I share that. You spent a lot of your life trying to help people feel better. Yeah, yeah, try Um, and help them heal. Yeah. Give them hope. And that's what you do too. Yeah. And then yeah. hopefully there'll be people that try and help you feel better too, because otherwise it's exhausting. You can't, you can't <laughs> well, just I've give had it all to learn. Out. I've had to learn and I've gotten pretty good at like releasing things and creating energetic buffers and boundaries and figuring out the balance between empathizing with someone and taking it on where mm. I'm carrying it. I had to do that just for my own survival, yeah. <laughs> but it gets heavier and heavier as life goes on. And, and depending on what you're, I was surrounded by all sorts of dysfunctional people in my family and whatever. So yeah. I really had to learn that. Right. But mm-hmm. we all kind of learn that at our own pace. I want to ask you about Cody because I met him when we did that. I think you guys hadn't even been together that long. It was sort of a whirlwind romance. Yeah, it was. And you told me that you had kind of resisted at first, Mm -hmm. you know, because you were like, who the hell is this guy? No, I don't trust. (laughs) And he kind of broke through your resistance. Yeah. And then not long after that, you announced that you were, you know, that Violet. We were like, let's have a baby. Yeah. I love you. (laughs) Okay, go. Yeah, well, I remember you telling me we talked about this a bit, and I wanted to check in with you about it because he was talking about it with me too. Mm -hmm. This idea of I forget how I'm trying to remember how you put it, but yeah, the fairy tale, like the princess (laughs) fairy tale. My fairy tale complex. Yes, that's what you called it. Your fairy tale complex. (laughs) This idea. You still have it? I I know. Poor Cody. Poor bloke. So how does it play out? Like what happens? Well. He has to deal with that. So it's really, it's a shame for him. Because well, I mean, what does that look like in action? Like oh, you get, a, you get disappointed because he didn't yeah, pull out all the stops for something or <laughs> like what you happens? Know, for me, the fairy tale complex, it's like very much like, I don't know. I kind of love the gender roles. Mm-hmm. I love how people can step outside of those. I'm just not one of those people. Yeah. You like but being really in your family. I like being a lady. And I like that he opens doors for me, yeah. like little things. And he'll leave little notes around. And the thing about Cody that is very much my fairy tale is that he's very protective. When I first met him, he was working in Iraq, looking after people that came from America to talk to diplomats and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he was working with those that went to the embassy in Baghdad. Mm-hmm. So his whole job was, I'm going to look after you. Yeah. And I He's thought their oh. guide and their protector. Yeah. Yeah. And that really worked with my little fairy tale. Okay. Well, that's so cool. He's that guy. So if he's my guy, then he's going to look after me and my babies. I always think forward. This is yes. the test. You're, you're the before it moves ahead. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's what I want for my family. I want someone that just wants to look after us. And that has not changed. He is definitely that man through and through. He's yeah. very like... He carries the heavy bags. I remember we were talking about yes. that. He protects. He's yeah. watching He's very over. much like that. Yeah. But then there is that a lot of pressure on him for us to kind of like, if we fall out or anything like that, my fairy tale gets like punctured. Mm. And that's not good. Paul. No. We, we should be able to fall out. Yeah. Like, no, it's ruined. Oh, no. Then, <laughs> it's terrible. So I have to be really conscious of that. And so does he have to be conscious that I have that sensitivity? Because yeah. no know? one can live up to a fairy tale. No, I mean, you impossible. can. The, the aspects of the fairy tale that I think you're describing that make a lot of sense, you know, everyone's different. But for you, this is your love map, right? This yeah. is your love language that right. really love the romantic gestures and yeah. the and the, the gentlemanly gestures and the alpha male protective 
Beauty and the Beast sort of element, right? But then it kind of starts edging toward unreasonable, right? If you're not allowed to work through conflicts, right? Bad days. Yeah. yeah, Or have bad days or have an unconscious moment or Or get tired. Poor bloke. And then since we've had Violet, of course, life is more tiring. Yes. So, and that can be very hard to kind of keep up that thing of the honeymoon phase too, because we're very, we're in a very early relationship. Yeah. How long have you been together now? Two years? We've been three years now and we're on our second baby already. I know. So we were like, oh, I love you. I love you too. One, two, three, go, you know, which is so (laughs) great. But it means we're we're learning each other. Yeah, still. Yeah. And And two babies is a lot more than one. It is not just double. It is triple the work. (laughs) I know. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. I can't wait. And I'm glad that he's like up for it. Yeah, it seems like he is. He is. And I can adjust my kind of my little dreams, not in a horrible way, in a lovely way, because you you have to learn how to like look after everyone. So when it comes down to everyone feeling happy around me, Mm -hmm. Cody is that it's just me and Cody and Violet. Yeah. I don't have like my immediate family are not here. We're in another country. Right, right. So really, that's it. If Violet's happy and Cody's happy, I'm happy. Okay. So if he is exhausted and tired, that's no good. Yeah. So I have to kind of go, right, I'll do the nights. You wake up early in the morning, just grab her, and then I'll have an extra hour of sleep. And it's great. Right. It so you out. navigate. So you, you can compromise on that, right? Totally. Yeah. That's always the answer to every problem. Yeah. You just need to really think about it and do it. Um, and so and when your fairy tale fantasy gets punctured in the moment, yeah. Do you quickly recover from that or do you yeah. strut? You do. Yeah, I do. Okay. I'm too logical not to because okay. I know that I have that. Uh, I know that I'm like, oh, I want it to be this way. No, he's kind of magical guy, you know, so it's focus. Yes, he is. He voted that yes, much. I could see right away. And that's lovely, but it doesn't mean that we don't have our little punch ups. But yeah, um, of course. Well, how could you not? I mean, everybody have has. Them. And if you don't, I get very concerned if I meet a couple and they're like, we've been together for five years and we've never had an argument. I'm like, you guys are effed up. Like there is, yeah. I don't say that to them, but I'm thinking but they don't like, know that is other. messed up. You aren't being yeah. your authentic selves. You aren't getting your needs met. You yeah. aren't really showing up for each other and mm. in a way that like allows you to grow and evolve together. Fighting is good for your honesty relationship. Honesty is the most important thing you can give to somebody that you care about. about. Yeah. But it can be so horrible to hear it. And I'm terrible with it. I don't know how to do sugar coating. Yeah, me either. Oh, I really need to learn that. I feel like I've seen you on TV and even just talking to friends. Like you are so careful about... And I'm like, well, that's because I'm being like really conscious. I'm with someone who I'm treating, but like with you, and then I just millions don't of people think about it. I just let it hang out. Yeah, and it doesn't come naturally to me. Felt to filter. Yeah, so it's a process. It, I think that's a great thing, you know, to be with somebody that can be bluntly honest with you. Yeah, that's the biggest gift that they can give you. And yeah. you said earlier about the map. There was one song Love I love map. Yeah, I never put it out because it was like emotional and I was too much of a wuss to put it out. I'll find it and, and sing it. Yeah. <laughs> at some point, at some point I'll bring it out. But it says about the map of a woman. Yes, we get told many times that women talk too much. We just talk, talk, talk. All we mm-hmm. do is talk, talk. We are communicating. Yeah. <laughs> we are literally giving you the map. And if you are confused, that's because you are not listening. Yeah. You're <laughs> not it's, understanding. It's written out. If you turn left up there, I'm going to be pissed off. If you turn right, <laughs> I'm going to make you a cake. Yeah. You know, it's like, come Why on. can't you follow the map? It's yeah. just a little, it's so easy. But, you know, it's hard. I would love to hear that song. Oh, oh it's sing it out. Yeah, I should. I'll send it to you. Yeah, do it. Well, let's talk about your music. I want to come back to the babies too, but let's talk about your music since that's where we're talking about. There's so many of your songs that have touched me. I, I think I've even posted about some of them about uh, Sammy, you know, my son, and that, you know, brings up uh, all sorts of emotions. But there are two songs in particular I wanted to just talk to you about. One of them I think is so relevant to my peeps because we spend so much time talking about kind of 
self-actualization and showing up as your authentic self. And I talk to so many people who are in relationships with with narcissists or are struggling with being gaslit, right? Where they're convinced that what they're seeing isn't what they're seeing or what they want, they shouldn't want or what they're upset about they're wrong to be upset about. And you have a song that I've, I I don't even know. This must have come out. It feels like it came out decades ago because I remember listening to this song a long time ago, Right to be Wrong. Do you remember when that came out? Yeah. So Right to be Wrong was the first song I wrote with Betty Wright. So Betty Wright was my mentor when I was a little girl. So I was signed at 14. And then the record label guy was like, I want you to make an album of soul covers. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm writing songs. I was Mm -hmm. like in my head, in my feelings about the fact I'm writing songs. Of course, I didn't know what, I didn't even know how to write a song. I don't know what I was on about. (laughs) um, I was learning, you know. Yeah. But he was like, no, this is going to be great. We're going to get all these soul musicians together and they're going to teach you. Mm. And Betty Wright was that woman. She was my teacher. God, what an amazing lady. So her biggest tune was Clean Up Woman. And she started when she was 14. So we're in there writing the song together. And really, it, she was steering the ship. She always was steering the ship, <laughs> yeah. no matter what day it was. <laughs> and I was just listening and following and, you know, trying my best to not embarrass myself. I feel like I sing that song at the end of every show. And it's because it means so much and it makes so much okay that yeah. you think hasn't been and yeah. actually is okay. And I think that she gave me that as a gift to say, don't worry, baby girl, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. And it's the only way you get to grow. And she used to say things to me like, takes a lot of pressure to make the diamond, you know. Aww. She was so What an amazing mentor. Yeah, yeah. She knew what I was about to walk through. Mm-hmm. So that was her gift to me and now to everyone. Right. Right to be It's wrong. like holding mm-hmm. on to what I call, you know, discernment, knowing your truth, yeah. even in the face, to me, that's what it says, even in the face of pressure, people telling you you're wrong, people telling yes. you you're crazy, whether it's in the micro level in your relationship or in the macro level out in, your, in the world or yeah. in your family. I want to play a little clip if that's oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. This is my baby voice. If you're going to okay. play the record. Oh my gosh. Okay. So just leave me alone You're entitled to your opinion But it's really my decision I can't turn back, I'm on a mission If you care, don't you dare blur my vision Let me be all that I can be Don't smother me with negativity Whatever's out there When I sing that part in the show, it gives me encouragement to walk forward. I did a world tour where I played every country in the world. And when I had suggested it to everyone I was working with at the beginning, who, by the way, they all disappeared. Everyone thought I was completely mad. They're like, this is the worst idea you've ever had. As far as business is concerned, this is a (laughs) no-go. As far as your career is concerned, what the hell are you doing? And it was the best thing I've ever done. And at the end of the world tour, I wrote Betty a letter. I haven't spoken to her for ages, you know, mm-hmm. seen her intermittently. And I said to her about that song and about that part, I was like, that helped me. Mm-hmm. That helped me know, actually, do not blur my vision. If you're going to blur it, please, can you step aside? Yeah, get out of the way. Get out of the way. Yeah. Don't deal with your own stuff. This is my mission. And I tell you what, yeah, it's really helped me um, do the things I wanted to do and bring the light that I've been able to bring. So, yeah. And that tour was really, it seems like it really shaped even more a lot of your music because you got to play Mm -hmm. people from so many different cultures and experience everything from tribal music to traditional music to patriotic music, like all these different instruments and voices that you can hear in in your music today so yeah it helped me look at the world in a much more kind of beautiful and accepting way as well yeah inclusive when you travel that much you realize just how lucky you are often. yeah 
Yeah. You know, and sure we spend a lot of time. We're in England, we're in America, we travel around Europe. You hear a lot of moaning. Yeah. A lot. A lot. Yeah. Gosh, it's very, it's a lot. We're all in and our little insular realities. Yeah. Yeah. And we're so talk about happiness. That's a great way to, yeah. to be happy is gratitude, right? And when yes. you when you see how good you really have it. Oh, that's so important, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know yeah. when Violet cries, she's up at night at God knows what time and she might be kicking off because she's teething or something. I'll hold on to her and she'll be completely crazy. And I would be like, <laughs> angel. I'm so lucky I've got my little angel. Aww. You know, and it stops me from getting frustrated or too upset because I'm tired. And it's just like, that's the truth of the matter. Is yeah. I've got my little baby. Yeah, that's she's such a perspective. <laughs> you know? I'll have to send you, I won't read it now, but I'll have to send you this poem I wrote. I was sitting in my oldest son's room, who's now 26, and he must have been three or four. He was never a great sleeper. He would go to sleep. I'd have to play with his hair and my hand would be getting tired. And he'd finally, and I'd be exhausted after like working all day and crazy. And I'm just want, I'm ready for him to go to sleep. And he would start to fall asleep. And the second, I'm sure you've experienced this, like the second you shift your position, they wake, you think you're finally home clear (laughs) and they, you just take like one little move and they wake up and the whole thing starts again. Yeah. And I could feel myself just getting so frustrated. And I just sat there and I started on my phone, just started writing this poem called Ethan's Hair. And it was about how I was feeling so frustrated, but I also was so amazingly imbued with gratitude yeah. that I got to play with his hair, you know, and that he existed. It's that same feeling. It's so important and it's so beautiful, that story. This is a good segue into the other song I wanted to talk to you about, which you brought out on the heels of George Floyd and Mm -hmm. Ahmed Aubrey, and who actually was from, I mean, that was such a crazy thing because I grew up in the town where he was murdered, which was like this small little Southeast Georgia town. But you brought out a song called Walk With Me. Mm -hmm. And so let's play the clip from that. It was like your public statement yeah. and also your call to action. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how that song came about because it was originally, it was like a wedding song. You know, mm. it was like, walk with me through this life. And it wasn't sitting completely right with me. It was like, this is a beautiful love song, but there's something more to it. And then that thing happened with George. Mm-hmm. And then there was a few things that happened. First of all, there's millions of people that came together to stand yes. in his defense. Yes. That is beautiful. Walking that, together. Yeah. yeah. That makes his death not in vain almost, mm-hmm. you know, because how many times have we questioned humanity? You don't have to if you just look at what happened, like how beautiful people are. Yeah. They do give a shit. We yes. all give a shit. Yeah. And I thought that was wonderful to see that. That was, that was like the silver lining to that dark, horrible cloud. And then there was, I saw a video online of this guy saving a koala from the fires mm-hmm. um, that were going on in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I know there was some fires going on in, um, in California as well. And there was, I learned about these guys that come from uh, Samoa to come and help put out fires. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's amazing how people can be. And then I kept seeing all these signs everywhere because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And it's like, thank you to the heroes talking about the NHS workers and the the healthcare workers here. I'm thinking, gosh, they're on the front lines of a place they did never expect they would be. They're helping people. I started to see it everywhere. And I thought, this is beautiful. 
These yeah. are people being beautiful to each Coming other. together, yeah. And we can't do it on our own. We're not on our own. We're not in this life on our own. We're actually in this life together. Yeah. So that kind of changed the song for me. And I was like, okay, now I know what this is. Yeah. And now I know why it's coming to my life now. So it was a co-write with Jonathan Shorten, who I've worked with since I was, again, 14. <laughs> so yeah, he really got it. Yeah. I really hope that everyone received it the way you did, because that was how it was intended. Yeah. Did you get any feedback that they didn't? I thought it no, was. I yeah. just kind of always hope. I never really looked too much at very much feedback from it. Yeah. Apart from yeah. any positive stuff. I was like, oh, great. But yeah, you know, reviews. Well, that's probably smart. Ignore it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you never know. Especially yeah. when you're talking. No, about- I'm not aware of anyone taking it anyway, but positively, I certainly right. took it that way. And I yeah. knew that was the way it was intended. Yeah. You know, there's an effort to separate us. Yes. And it ain't going to happen. We're no. not doing that. We did the that. The light is always stronger than the darkness. Totally. Always. And, yeah, and we that, just have to remember that. With all those people. And yes, of course, it all went a bit tits up. The protests started getting a little bit crazy. Oh God, <laughs> Laura, I saw someone on TV. He stood, and this is the negative side of it. Yeah. He stood there with a, with a microphone saying, here we are at a peaceful protest. Maybe he didn't have such an English accent. Yeah. Um, peaceful protest. Everything's fine here. And behind him, there's like fire. <laughs> looks like he's in Baghdad. <laughs> that's not peaceful. <laughs> so it definitely did go slightly awry. Yeah. But there were moments that I think we should focus on. And there were more good moments than there were bad. You're such a beautiful it. optimist. That's what's going to keep you happy yeah. is, <laughs> is seeing the light. Because that's the filter you have to use, right? Like we can see all that. Not that we have to be ignorant or blind to right. injustices and darkness. We have right. to see it and we have to react to it. But when we look at humanity and look at our lives and look at the world, looking through that lens of optimism and gratitude, in my experience, I mean, I see in every conversation we've had and everything we've talked about in this conversation, it comes back to your, you really are an optimist by nature. I try to be. It got kind of deliberately practiced that. When somebody does something, you know, certainly politicians, because I know we're all watching TV and it's like mm-hmm. our new, it's our new reality TV show. We mm-hmm. love it, don't we? It is. I think to always remember, even if you didn't vote that way and you really hate that party, whatever, the intent. Think about the intent. Yeah. Even if misguided, the even intent. if it's misguided, yeah. even yeah. if they make the wrong decision, the intent helps you to kind of, you know, feel happier because you know yeah. they meant well. They just did the wrong thing. That's okay. They're not sat there rubbing their hands together like dastardly, horrible bastards. Yeah. Well, I mean, people find evidence for what they believe, right? And so it's really that balance, I think, between not being clueless and pie in the sky blind to the truth, but also not try to see the jumping to nefarious conclusions. I know. We can make up wonderful stories. Because the media and the media, that's how they make their money is by scaring the shit out of us. So totally. So that the silver lining thing, I think, is really relevant to the next thing I wanted to ask you about. You have a baby coming when and it's a he, right? A brother for Violet. When is he due? He's due in six weeks. So uh, the 20th of October. Yeah. And let me see your tummy. It's I feel so massive. You are insane. I don't know if you can see because I'm wearing black. I can totally see. And it looks like (laughs) I looked at maybe, all right, let's say four months. Really? I think I was double that size with my kids by the time they were nine months. Is this bigger than your lap? Well, you're always bigger with the second because you're stretched out already a little bit. (laughs) It's so much bigger. Honestly, I have a picture of me at five months with Violet. Uh, it's like there's no barely t- I remember seeing because you could barely yeah. tell that you were pregnant for almost the entire pregnancy. It was so weird. And then the last now minute, you just have like a little basketball. That's it. It's oh, so my gosh. Cute. It's so crazy. I've got loads of strange things going on. Like in the middle of the night, I wake up and my leg is like having some sort of spasm. Yeah. And my mum was like, oh, that's fine. I had that every pregnancy. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. what is that? She's like, don't worry about it. Eat bananas. And then today I almost fell over because my hip just decided I'm not going to work. So I text my doctor. I'm like, I don't know if that's normal. He goes, I don't know what it is, but other women have it. I don't know what to tell you. It's just weird. Pregnancy is weird. Oh my God. And if it's so much bigger, it's probably putting a lot more stress on your joints and your, is he a roller or a kicker? 
It might be a roller. Yeah. I had yeah. two rollers and one kicker. He's got a head down though. So I might yeah. get a natural birth on this one. Oh, good. All right. Oh, God, I want a natural birth. On a natural one. It sounds awful. No, a lot of women want it. Yeah, no, it is, but it's, it's powerful. I would like to try that. Yeah. And yeah, yeah with Violet, I didn't get to. So, Aww. oh, and gosh, I know it's going okay. to go great. And I'm I know, <laughs> I know, of course, <laughs> everyone scary. is leading yeah. into it, but either way, you're going to do it at a hospital, right? Post C-section. Totally. You're not going to try oh. a home birth. No, no, no. I think I feel more comfortable next yeah. door, like all these doctors and stuff. That would be yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. I so love you'll them. be fine if they have to. They'll, they'll. Are you going to do an epidural, or are you going to go for so. natural? I think I'm going to do my best, but <laughs> I will have the epidural. I will ask them. Could you just have that, like, yeah? Because I think it's a wonderful idea. Yeah, yeah. And I don't understand why we're against this. I don't either. This is a fabulous. Oh, well, you know, when I had my the only natural birth I did was my first son, and then there was a complication, and they and after that they said you need to do c-sections but um, i was going to the complication because it'll scary i don't need scary but here's what the (laughs) advice i would give you okay with him i had the same plan you did to try natural and have the epidural ready to roll the second i decided it was too much but they decided to give me pitocin which Ah. speeds up labor and that's it's not helpful is it well here's what happened just beware of this because I've heard this is very common. It supercharged my labor. And they're like, oh, we're going to give you this Pitocin and it'll probably take like five to six hours. And within an hour, I was in agony. And I kept saying to the nurse who was ignoring me, like, if this is mild contractions that I'm going to have for the next four to six hours, like I can't, can't like what I thought, like, what the hell is wrong with me? I must have no, I thought I had a good pain threshold, but I'm dying here. And she was just like blowing me off, blowing me off. Finally, after maybe like an hour and a half or two hours, she comes in and she's like, oh, let me just check you. And she went into a full on panic because I was almost fully dilated. Ah, and the, ready. And the like doctor that. had to get a police escort to get because he was home sleeping to get to the hospital in time. And I was like, okay, give me the epidural. And they're like, girl, it's too, too late. late for the epidural. <laughs> so <laughs> so oh just my beware, gosh. if they decide to give you Pitocin, opt for the epidural at the same time. Yeah, I'll have them both at the same time. Yeah. So one in, one in that's my just spine, my little tip. One in my arm. No, it sounds awful, the Pitocin. Yeah. I've not heard good stories oh, about it. It really bad. like proper makes it more painful, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely did. And so one other thing I want to just touch on from the optimism standpoint, and because this does affect millions of people who are going to relate to this part of your story, that between Violet and this beautiful being, you, which I had no idea about until I think you posted one video because you were canceling an appearance or a concert that you were doing, but I didn't even know this happened to you that you had a miscarriage. Yeah, man, that was bad. That was a bad one. So the doctor had said to me once I'd had Violet, what are you going to do for contraception? And I said, nothing. What are you talking about? I want to have seven children. I'm not doing anything <laughs> for contraception. I want loads of babies. He's like, darling, we've just cut you open. Yeah. You got to heal. Yeah. You have to heal. You can't do that. So I said, oh, okay. Well, I don't want to put hormones in me that I've never done before. Well, I, mm-hmm. That might I've got fear of that. Like, I, I don't want that to affect my chances of having a baby. So Cody was like, sorry, I'll do condoms. <laughs> of course. <laughs> that didn't work out. Oh, so no. At seven months. She was seven months old and I fell pregnant. And I was like, I was so excited. I don't think Cody was that excited because it was so close. And maybe yeah. I was worried about my body and stuff. Yeah. I don't know if I was like over upset. I don't know what went on. I also had had the vaccination four months before. Mm-hmm. And I have read things and heard many things that it hinders your hormones from your ovaries firing properly, which is very gutting to me right now because the pressure to have it was so overwhelming. Oh yeah. And that makes me feel really stupid because I don't get pressured. I'm not that type yeah. of person. I don't consider myself a person that gets pressured, but I did feel that. And I don't know if that was why, but it was so you're blaming yourself a little bit. Well, yeah. and the reason why I am is because I think that it's my body mm-hmm. and I 
have the control over the environment that my body is in. And I just can't get with the idea that it's just a fluke. You, just you're don't. convinced it was your body. Well, what, what if it was your uterus still just wasn't Feeling. ready? They cut your uterus they do. wide open for a C-section yeah. and it takes a while. I mean, mm. we're not talking about a surface wound. We're talking no. about several layers Seven, of I tissue think. that pretty, has to... It's pretty intense, the old yeah. C-section. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had and, two of them. It's a lot. It takes a long time to mm. fully heal and putting that much activity in there yeah. almost seven months after that kind of surgery, like it could have been, and that is totally beyond there. your control. I mean, you don't blame yourself that you need it, that you had a C-section. Well, I decided, to have, I decided to have a C-section. I didn't do labor and then have a C-section. I had, yeah. a, I had a planned C-section. An elective C-section. Yeah, an elective yeah. C-section. So I elected that. Did you intend to get pregnant no. when you got pregnant? no. No, no, I didn't. But there's a way of taking responsibility yeah. without kind of being kept in hindsight and being like, I should have, should have. I don't want to beat myself up about it. However, I don't want to be a person that just relinquishes responsibility for what goes on within her body because I don't want to live like that. I feel like that makes me feel totally out of control. Totally. Whereas I know I was out of control and it did happen. It's awful. So when I fell pregnant with this little man in here, I was like, okay, I need good vibes. Mm -hmm. I need to not be upset about things. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge thing. Everyone that I know that has thing. had a miscarriage, my personal friends that have had miscarriages, all of them have a story about how upset they were at the time of their pregnancy mm -hmm. and how, what trauma they were going through or upset or crying or this and that and the other. Yeah. Well, that affects your hormones. It affects your everything. body, affects everything, even yeah. energetically. Yeah. So I just feel like, come on, there's got to be an answer. So I went to my doctor and I was like, I need to know why this happened. So I don't have this happen again because I want to look after my babies. Yeah, of course. You know, I don't want to be like, oh, don't worry about it. It's just a fluke. I'll just live my life. No, have a plan. I want to make sure my babies are okay. And he was like, oh, maybe you know, your uterus wasn't healed enough. Right. Okay. That's good. I'll take that. I'll take something. I need something. Yes. You know, and I learned too late, but I learned that there is a way if you know, so I had a missed miscarriage, so I didn't like lose the baby. They did a scan and said, there's no heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And I didn't believe them. <laughs> so I was like, no, you're definitely wrong about that. <laughs> so, so I just was like, mind over matter, Joss. Come yeah. on. They're wrong. I'm going to bring this okay. thing. Yeah. It's going to be all right. And I Aww. did everything I could do. I did all sorts of, you know, meditations and prayers and candles and everything I could do. And then, of course, it did happen, which was awful. That's a whole mm -hmm. other world of stories. I found online, if you can catch it, you can send the little baby off. It's just basically it's blood. You can send whatever you have and they can tell you whether it was chromosomal yeah. or, or not. That's all they can tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and this baby wouldn't have lived no matter what because right. of the chromosomal issues that were going yes. on. Yeah. And that to me would have been amazing information. Yes. That would have made you feel a lot better. Yeah. But I just didn't manage to, to get it, to get uh -huh. the right stuff. Can so I, I'll never know. I'll never can know. I just offer one more thing? I don't know, just because I'm compelled to offer it. You're getting teary. It's making me want to get teary about my <laughs> losses too. So I'm, we're going to try to keep it together here and yeah. have this conversation. But it's difficult. It's difficult. But I do. One of the things that I have learned is that our souls have a path. Yeah. Your story and your tears are making mine come up. But but I know it's fine. It's good. It's all in service because some many people need to hear this. I think this whole conversation, not just what I'm saying right now. But I do think that. And I've talked to so many people now who have had near-death experiences. So they've died and come back. And so they've learned all this stuff on the other side, but also wow. who have lost and had tremendous loss and also tons of spiritual teachers. And one of the things that I've come to really just believe in the core of my being is that every soul, even those souls that come into our womb for three weeks to right. six months to whatever, they have a soul plan. Like we think, oh my gosh, that life didn't come to fruition. They came in 
for their personal soul path growth and also for ours. For a reason. For a reason, right? So we won't know what that, you won't know that what that reason is until you go to the other side, may it be 150 years, right? You won't really know what it is. We could hypothesize, like maybe it was that, that bait. I mean, I'm just making up a story here, right? That, yeah, it's a teacher or it's clearing the path or there was a reaction to that experience and that loss that changed the path of your life in some way. Not to mention that this baby that's coming through wouldn't be coming through. That's true. If this one had come through. The other thing that I've been told time and time again, and these are from like every orientation, every religious background. It's so interesting because I talked to a shaman who told me this. I talked to a rabbi who told me this. I talked to a metaphysical soul traveler who told me this, but that we, our souls, we don't consciously do it, but our souls literally choose when to die. Like we decide to die. We decide to leave our bodies when we do. Right. And there's a purpose to it. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to wrap our head around. It's so difficult, isn't it? When it's when it's your babe, because yeah. you feel like you, your job is there to stop that from happening. Yeah. To protect them and to keep them alive and yeah. to at the yeah. bare minimum, as a bare minimum, we, <laughs> bare think minimum. we should do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so when your child dies, whether they're two weeks in your womb or 16 years old, like Sammy, the first thing we want to do is blame ourselves. Yeah. And oh, just don't want it to happen again. Yeah. But the truth is, I think it's a worthy goal to learn learn, and to do as much as you can to support mm. it not happening again. Yeah. yeah. But the truth is, none of us are in control as much as we want to be. I know. Exactly. It's a horrible thought, isn't it? To, yeah. To not be in control when it comes to your children. Yeah. I mean, when, when they're born, like the first thing you think is like, I've never felt love like this before. I have This is like. And fear. Right. And then the second thought is like, holy shit, something can happen. Right. Like, and that's the duality that a parent lives with our entire until we leave. Right. If nature takes its natural course and we go first, like that's their not just in their childhood, it's their their entire lives. Right. Mm -hmm. We're always walking that duality of love, gratitude, appreciation, and just wanting them to be okay. Just wanting to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. So I do think, and I've also talked to a lot of moms who have lost babies and then had a baby right after. I just encourage you to think, to watch when this baby comes and is like looking in the corner of the ceiling or staring at something like the little angel. Yeah. I hear that all the time that the lost baby is an angel for the next baby is like a companion. My doctor said, oh, you know, he's, (laughs) we were talking about you know, what it could be. I think it was him that had said he's an angel. And a lot of people have said that. Yeah. And I think that's lovely. But my mind immediately went, no, angels have to do all sorts. They're very busy. They're constantly looking (laughs) after someone. This tiny (laughs) baby. I think he was only nine weeks. He's no, he well, he, his body was only nine weeks, but his soul, his soul could have been enormous. Years old. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just like, no, I just don't want him to have to be busy right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my head went. <laughs> He's too little for that level of responsibility. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, well, that was it, just this, this body he chose for this exactly. short time, but it's not Exactly. Who he really or she, I don't know if it was he or she, but who he really was or is. We just don't know. So we have to just let it up to yeah. the powers that be, whatever that is. Yeah. And just try to move forward. Well, I am so sorry for your loss. Yeah. But as I know, you've written about and talked about that, yeah. that this baby is the rainbow, the rainbow after the storm. And I'm yeah. so excited for him to come into the world. Do you have a name yet? Can you say it? Oh, I have some options now. Okay. okay. I know that whatever name I give this baby is going to get a shortened version of the name because that's just the way we roll in the UK. Yeah. Doesn't matter what your name is. If it's Laura, you're L. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're Law. Yeah. If it's Jocelyn, you're Joss. Joss. If it's Cody, you're Code. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved the name Winston. Oh, I think that's, that's so cute, right? Yeah. Like and Churchill. It's also like, 
yeah, yeah. But then I don't really care for Winston Churchill. I just like the name. It reminds me of like reggae music for some Yeah, 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 yeah. But then people will shorten it to Winnie, which I think is like actually kind of feminine. I think mm. it's cute. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. So anyway, I come up with this name and it's, you either love it or you hate it. It's a Marmite situation. Okay. It's an explorer from the 1700s or something like that. And he went into Antarctica and um, he got stuck there because it got a bit cold and the ice ate his boat. Mm-hmm. And he had to save his men. There's a whole long drama story about it, but he did save his men. I think there. I saw that or read that story. I, re- I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember his name. What was his, his name? His name was Ernest Shackleton. Oh, yes. I remember this name. Yes. So I love the name Shackleton. Wow. Last name is a first name and call him Shaq for short. Shaq is very cute. Isn't that cool? Yes. I like that. And what's his last name? It would be Deleuze. So, and then he would keep my maiden Shackleton, name. Shackleton Deleuze. Shackleton. Stoker Deleuze. Wow. I don't know. Cool. I like it. And does Cody like it? He did like it. He goes off and on. <laughs> and he, he puts all the pressure on me. He's like, you could just name him whatever you want. I'm like, yeah, but you have to join in. (laughs) Well, you know, what's really cute is that you're naming him after like the epitome of that prince, right? Who is a protector and a hero and a, yeah, that makes sense to me. I think Uh, it's quite cute. I think it's very cute. You know, listen, and this isn't to compare the two, but my 17 year old was just giving me hell the other day, which he does intermittently. For the fact his name is Jackson and it's oh, Jax like for short. My husband wouldn't let me, but I really wanted to name him Darwin. <laughs> oh, Darwin. That's quite cool. I thought that. it was such a cool name. That's a and he's cool such name. a cool kid. He would yeah. have been, he's like, I can't believe, he just was saying to me the other day, I can't believe that you are going to name me Darwin. That is so lame. Like he was oh so God, upset with me funny. that I considered that. And the only reason he wasn't named Darwin is because my husband wouldn't have it. But oh, gosh. Anyway, this is the fear is that I don't want them to like hate their name. <laughs> but, you know, what can I do? They're going to find something to hate that you did. So just, oh, I know. Your best. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's very, it's a very important job naming a child. Yeah. I like Shaq. I like it reminds me of Shaq, the athlete. Right. Cool and he's name. a nice guy. Isn't yeah. Shaq he's a very a nice guy. guy. Yeah. Like I mean, I don't know him personally, life. but he seems like it. Yeah. He seems like a nice chap. Yeah. I like it. I don't know. I'm into it. It's either that or Winston, but don't like Winnie. No. I like Winnie, but. And it's cute when they're young, but then it's a little prep school-y, like, once they get older, like, Winnie. Yes. (laughs) And horses, (laughs) horses make that. Oh, yeah, that's true. They They, win. Yeah. You know? Gosh. Very difficult. It is. It's a big responsibility. But it's amazing, though. I'll probably just pop him out and then I'll be like, oh, my God, you're totally a bomb. Yeah, that's what I've done with every kid. Like, I've, yeah. I've had my ideas. And then once they come out, I'm like, OK, this this is right. my name. Yeah. yeah. You're actually an Ian. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see him and for him to arrive and to watch you and cheer you on in this next beautiful phase of your life. And I know you're still performing. I don't know if you stop now with the baby coming now. Okay. I did my last one four days ago. Wow. Tell you what, next time I get pregnant, remind me. (laughs) I should not be touring this late in my pregnancy. It's a lot. I said to the doc, how long can I tour for? You know, I don't want to overstretch it. I want to do the right thing. And he goes, you know, you can go till six weeks before you have the baby. It's fine. You know, just if you have a baby, in whatever country you're in, then, you know, don't worry. They've probably got a hospital there. Right. It's all good. Yeah. But it won't affect anything going up in the air. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. I'll just do it then. Oh my goodness. That was a lot. poor lungs. My lungs are getting squashed. Yeah. I I remember when I was pregnant (laughs) and speaking, I didn't even sing, which requires a lot more lung than speaking projecting your voice in an audience. And I would have to sit down on a stool. Yeah. I would get all out of breath. Yeah. Just talking. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. It, it's I didn't even think about that with singing. I thought you were going to say I'm exhausted and it's heavy and, traveling, oh, yeah. you know, but not, I didn't even think about the lung thing, but of course. Yeah. It totally affects your voice. And then you've got this whole like relaxing hormone everywhere, all in your muscles to get you ready to 
push out this watermelon. Well, it doesn't avoid the vocal cords. It ah, goes interesting. You're dealing with a different instrument. Wow, I never uh-huh. even thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. That's a really good point. All right. Yeah. So you'll know for the next, how many more do we have? Four or five kids well, we're going to have? I'll probably have a couple, I'll probably maybe two or three more natural and then I'm going to adopt. I think the next one we're going to adopt, Aww. which would be so nice. I can't That's wait. so exciting. Well, I'm so excited for your journey and so grateful to talk to you and to be able to spend a little time chatting and being bathed in your beautiful energy and optimism. <laughs> Thank you for all you are and all the beauty you bring to the world, my friend. I'm so excited for you. Thank you very much. It's been lovely. All right.